Hi, listeners. This is Josh Zygmunt, host of the HR Works podcast and content director of the HR Daily Advisor. Welcome back to another great episode of the HR Works Showcase, where we team up with the brands you know and love from the world of human resources and people operations, handing over the mic and letting them hit record for a change. These are the episodes produced for you and by you, the great members of this HR community. In our latest episode of the HR Works Showcase, the team at Paycom helps us dig deep into the costly problem of payroll errors as we bring you a feature episode from their podcast series, HR Breakroom. Listen as host Morgan Beard is joined by president and co-founder of H3 HR Advisors, Steve Bose, as the two dive into a recent Ernst & Young study and unpack the cost, and not just the financial one, that payroll errors can have on HR productivity and the ever-valuable employee experience. This is a good one, so let's jump into it. HR Breakroom is brought to you by Paycom, empowering employees nationwide with HR and payroll tech in one easy app. Learn how Paycom simplifies business for your entire workforce at Paycom.com. That's right. Welcome on into the show. I'm your host, Morgan Beard, and today we're talking time and money. More specifically, how much money is wasted on payroll errors and how much time is spent correcting those errors. We'll be digging deep into a recent Ernst & Young study as our guest, Steve Bowes, breaks down how it impacts businesses just like yours right here in the HR Breakroom. And here he is, you see him right there on your screen, president and co-founder of H3HR Advisors, and most importantly, a friend of the program, Steve Bowes. Steve, I've Zoomed in with you on a lot of different events, a little bit of a different background. Where are you uh, talking to us from today? Hey, Morgan, it is great to be with you. I am doing the so-called workation thing. Oh. Is that is that a, is that a word we're, we're you we just know? made it one. I don't you just know. made it one. So let's go with it. I have been doing the work part of the workation all day today. So it's kind of late afternoon as we're recording this. I'm grinding away. I'm not outside. I do have a picture of. I like it. Boats. Steve, it is just your world and we're living in it right now. That That's the vibe I'm getting. And you don't have to explain yourself. I know uh, not better than anyone, but pretty uh, good authority that you put in the work. With that, though, let's set the stage. I mean, let's get right into this one. I said in the intro kind of what we're discussing today, but really the meat and potatoes is the Ernst & Young study. Ernst & Young, they conduct a variety of quantitative surveys, and we have the results of the December HR Processing Risk risk and cost survey. EY targeted U.S.-based companies with 250 to 10,000 employees and collected responses from 508 individuals who make or share in the responsibility of the day-to-day communications and decisions for the company that relate to payroll. Specifically, EY collected data on the frequency and cost associated with payroll errors, and each error costs companies an average of $291 to remedy. Um, I kind of want to repeat that again. Each error on average costs companies $291 to fix. Hearing that, Steve, first, what are your first reactions that you know, jump off the page to you? And how do you think as a whole that impacts the company and their HR department? Because already, one, I did not anticipate that number, and two, that adds up. Yeah, it's quite stunning, actually, yeah. when you when you do that math, right? And, and as the organization scales up, unless the organization takes proactive measures to try to alleviate the underlying issues that are causing these errors, they're just going to snowball, right? It's really, again, it's a math problem, right? So uh, the size and the breadth is actually quite stunning if you haven't thought about this in a while. 
I mean, think about this, like payroll is kind of a routine, right? For, for organizations, it's a bi-weekly routine in most organizations, sometimes uh, weekly, but again, that bi-weekly routine where you're running the cycle and expected to complete and thinking about every single time, right? The organization is facing these kinds of challenges or these types of errors and has to then a lot time in the schedule and a lot, you know, person hours, right? To correct them. And again, not to mention the employee relations and the employee experience experience um, the negative impact that it's causing, right? Because one thing's for sure, right? We've learned this about a lot of things in organizations when it comes to employee experience and the perception of the organization as, as a place to work. Employees are generally not shy about sharing their experience both with other employees as well as potential employees or their friends and family. And even if it gets really bad, right, going out on, on social media or, or normal, you know, traditional media, right, to talk about yeah. things like payroll problems, right? You don't have to search too far, right? Uh, say, do a simple internet search of organizations that are running into payroll problems, right? There was a very, very famous story happened about a year, year and a half ago, where uh, a different provider got uh, had their servers breached by malicious hackers, and people's payrolls were incorrect for months and months and months at many, many organizations. And the reason we all know about this is, right, those people went to the media, right, to tell, say, I, I haven't been paid or I haven't been paid properly, right? So that's an extreme example. But even at these examples that we're talking about here, where, uh, and we're going to get into some of the very specific reasons why payroll errors happen, but if someone in the organization has been paid incorrectly, and again, usually underpaid or short paid, right, in some fashion, they're going to tell their, their colleagues that they work with. They're going to obviously go home potentially, right, if their pay was actually shorted or missing, they're going to have to tell their family members, their spouse or their, their partner, right? It's going to impact them in their lives beyond work, and they're going to talk about it, and they're not going to talk about it positively. It's like, for me, this really also presents a huge risk. I mentioned the credibility and the reputation of the HR and payroll organization, right? So, I mean, I, as long as I've been in this space, right, we've been talking about uh, HR trying to raise their profile as a business partner, a trusted advisor. You know, I hate to say it. So everybody like uh, get your beverage of choice out, whatever it is, the seat at the table conversation, right, which we've been having for HR for years and years and years, right? Uh, there's nothing more to me, more uh, uh, more likely to jeopardize the, the hard work that HR and payroll departments have done to increase their profile and increase their standing in the organization to be that trusted advisor, that trusted business partner then screwing up essentially the the you had one job thing right because most employees and even probably most operational leaders might look at the hr and payroll organization as literally that you have one job right and it's really more than one but at the simplest uh, at yeah. the simplest level pay everybody correctly and pay everybody on time that's your one job it's sort of like the 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 electricity in your house, right? That the you don't ever think about your your utilities provider until the the power is not on, right? And it's the same thing here, right? So, uh, the jeopardy to their reputation, to their standing, if it consistently happens to Morgan, right? If these errors happen time and time again, pay cycle to pay cycle, maybe happening to different individuals in the organization. So it's not just 15 errors. That doesn't seem like a lot, to be totally honest with you. You're running a payroll for 5,000 employees. There's 15 errors. That's a fairly low error rate. 
but let's pretend it's different 15 people every single time you run the payroll. So six months into the year, right now we're at a couple hundred employees who've been paid incorrectly across the organization. That's a significantly uh, a massive number in an organization. So, so much bad happens yeah. when payroll is incorrect. It's it's almost impossible to fully explain all the bad things that can happen because there's so many. Yeah, you talk about the the snowball effect. That's it right there. And I'm always good um, for a nice sports, I guess, analogy or comparison. So when you mentioned there, it's like, hey, you had just one job, pay people. It yeah. seems simple, but it's also like a kicker in the NFL. I know you're a sports fan, Steve. Um, sure. It's like the kicker. Everyone talks about them. You have one job, make the kick, do your job, worry about that. But as we know, there's a lot more that goes into it. There's the hold, there's, of course, wind. There's all kinds of variables that go into it. So while on paper, it's do your one job. A lot more goes on for these HR managers and, and these these frontline employees are dealing with all of this, I guess, flack, so to say, right, Steve? Yeah, for sure. And it's and but no one wants to hear that, right? So it's complicated to make a field goal or an extra point in football. It's complicated to get the power delivered from the power station to the substation through the power lines to your outlets <laughs> in your house. That's complicated yeah. too. Uh, running payroll is complicated, right? Because not only are there lots of inputs to payroll, there's lots of data that needs to be in place and correct prior to the payroll being executed. There are, you know, uh, uh, depending on certainly in this country, but depending on what state you're in, even worse, there's lots of changes, certainly every year, sometimes even every month to the rules uh, around uh, minimum wages, tax calculations, garnishments, millions, right? I don't have to get into it. The payroll leaders who are listening to this know what I'm talking about, right? All the changes that need to be in place and all the statutory and regulatory requirements that need to be kept up with in order to, to pay people correctly. And then, of course, there's organizational things very specific to the organization. The organization may have a union that has different uh, bargaining rules, right, that that often govern how pay is to be calculated and administered. It may have just their own rules around, you know, uh, shift and differentials and third shift bonuses and, and on and on and on, right? So it is complicated to get payroll, right? I, I certainly wouldn't deny that. I've I've sat in a few offices in my time very late at night uh, on the weekend with payroll managers and payroll people trying to make sure the payroll was right, yeah. right? Because people are counting on it. So it, it is complicated, but at the same time, at the end of the day, most employees and most business leaders don't care. They, they get it right, right? That's what they care about, right? And that's the sad, that's the sad reality of working often in HR and payroll. You have to get it right. And you have to get it right before we can do the lots of other things we really want to do in HR and payroll that that organizations are also counting on us to do. And I love how you bring that up because I'm going to go there in just a second, but I do want to backtrack just a bit as well. You were talking about how it's a full-time job. A lot of elements go into it to getting payroll right. It seems simple, but it's really complicated. Back to the EY study, Ernst & Young found on average a full-time payroll employee spends over half the year, nearly 29 weeks, correcting the most common payroll problems. That's another thing that jumps out of the page to me. Um, you kind of touched on it there, but what does that do to an HR department, Steve? I mean, they're spending a lot of time here, a lot of wasted time yeah. fixing things that, you know, maybe they could have fixed earlier with the right technology, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's super demotivating to both the individuals on the team who are tasked with correcting those errors or chasing down the people who are who are equipped to correct those errors, right? So if it's a missing punch or a missing expense report or an unapproved expense report, as the case may be, um, uh, 
you know, just differentials that weren't applied correctly and trying to understand if the person actually did what they're saying they did. There's a lot of that work that has to be done. The people who have to do it, I mean, it would take a really special kind of a person who was was jazzed up about doing that all the time, every payroll cycle. But it's also demotivating to the rest of the team as well, because they're members of an HR payroll team, often small team, quite frankly, who could maybe use some help in other areas or maybe could really uh, appreciate if they had more bandwidth in the organization to take on some of those higher value added activities that they'd like to do. And also, look, they're... People, again, to talk about the reputation inside the organization, once word starts getting around the organization that, oh, payroll screwed up again or HR mm -hmm. screwed up again, that's everybody in HR and payroll. You know, you're not going to signal yourself out and say, well, no, I'm the benefits administration person. I have nothing to do with that. You're going to be painted with that same broad brush, unfortunately, in the organization as, as an HR and payroll organ department that just can't get it right and continues to screw it up, even if uh, it's not really their fault or they're operating uh, really a little bit hamstrung by um, – processes that are inadequate or most importantly technology that's not up to snuff right to meet these really often really complex requirements yeah. uh that surround payroll and you mentioned too before i mean to me off air we've had many conversations around this very thing because it's an important topic i mean that's why ey uh, has this study it's why paycom wanted this information but you've mentioned it a couple times now the fundamental violation of the employee-employer agreement, especially like you said, if it keeps happening, you keep messing up payroll here, you keep having these errors here. It seems like, yeah. in your words, you said it to me before, that that fundamental handshake agreement between an employer and employee. It's like, hey, you do the work for me, and I will pay you. But then when things like this happen, it's a violation of that very basic agreement, isn't it? Yeah, it's really the most fundamental yeah. uh, sort of agreement or kind of bond between the employee and the employer. While we like to talk about and point at studies that say things like, well, people make their career decisions based on lots of other factors like, say, career development or opportunities or uh, alignment with their values, which are all valid things, right? If you still look at all those surveys about why people make decisions around their employment, both what organizations they'd like to consider joining and organizations they're considered to to remain at, to, to be retained at, uh, compensation still is right at the top. You know, it, it's still almost always number one. It's certainly 1A, right? It just is, right? This, that's the world we live in, right? People, uh, when you get an offer letter, right, to join a new company, what's in the offer letter? The date you're going to start working and your salary or and or your hourly rate of pay, right? That, yep. that, those are the things that <laughs> are in every need, offer really. letter. Sometimes the offer letter might say other things like, okay, here's the location from which you're meant to report. And Sometimes never, we might they, even they, overlook that. You know, you really you see start date and money. And that's really all yeah. you see sometimes on the page. I, I, I'm, I'm joking, but only slightly, right? The yeah. offer letters never, never get into things like, we promise to give you recognition on a quarterly basis. We promise to give you a very trust, uh, meaningful and, and relevant uh, semi-annual performance review, or we trust to, you know, align your, your personal career goals with the organization goals every six months. And we don't, we don't, even though we might do all those things, we don't put those things in the offer letter, right? And so the the agreement, that trust or that bond between the employee and the employer, it initially comes in the form of, of right remuneration, compensation, whatever term you want to use, pay. And getting that wrong 
it, you know, actually violates kind of that initial agreement, that first agreement, right, that we have with the employee. And that's not even like, look, we, we haven't even touched upon another huge element here. We've really mostly talked about this from the lens of the employer mm -hmm. point of view, right, the, the motivation of the HR payroll team, the reputational risk inside the organization, the executives maybe kind of uh, not considering HR and payroll a strategic partner if they can't get these fundamentals correct, the employee relations issue is certainly big. But honestly, maybe more important than all of this, and we probably should have brought it up sooner than 20 minutes in, it's the sad truth here in the United States that anywhere between 40 and 60%, let's say 50, let's call it 50%, 50% of U.S. workers are actually living paycheck to paycheck, which means they're planning their bills, whether it's their mortgage or their rent or their food or the things they have to do for their kids and their families, et cetera, et cetera. They're managing their financial budgets really paycheck to paycheck, biweekly to biweekly, right? When those things are wrong, and if they're really wrong, right, fundamentally wrong or, or, or materially wrong, that has a huge impact, not just on things like employer brand or internal organizational reputation, right? Those things are all sort of amorphous and kind of can be managed, right? Let's talk about an employee who can't make the rent or can't, or their car payment is late and impacts their credit score or can't give their kids a birthday gift in a fashion that they want to on time because of a payroll error, that's egregious. And those are the kind of things that are meaningful and they can't just be explained away uh, or, or, or sloughed off. Those are very, very important things. Yeah, Steve, it's more than just the cost to businesses, as you said. And of course, we're going to talk about how that affects the person, the people we're talking about. And just to, to, to add a little more punch behind what you're saying, according to another study, a fall 2022 morning consult survey commissioned by Paycom, 86% of American workers would suffer a negative impact from just one missing or even delayed check. So with that number right there, going into what you were just talking about, I mean, suffice it to say, when you deprive employees of accurate pay, when you violate that handshake agreement that we talked about, it hits them where it hurts. And that's when we're talking about real problems of, of not even just missing a check but but deciding on what to buy is it kids toys is it baby formula is it this is it that that's when it really starts to hit people on a personal level and like you said it, not acceptable and it violates that 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 very basic fundamental agreement that honestly you can't afford to violate if you're a company right steve no, you can't. And it's a very real thing. And, and there's a couple of things at play here, right, which both conspire against an employer in this situation who's having problems getting their payroll done accurately and on time, right? The, on the one hand, we talked about uh, that very real negative impact on employees' financial circumstances, right, from having incorrect pay. And again, when we say incorrect pay, we're almost always talking about uh, folks being underpaid or being paid late, mm -hmm. right, for hours that they've worked. It's odd. Oddly enough, these errors just almost never go the other direction, right? Because <laughs> if they do, generally... you know they're going to catch it. That's the problem. If you get paid I, a little extra, um, you know, probably, you know, you might have the honor to, to say you did. But if not, you probably know it's going to be caught anyway because they're not going to let yep. that slip through the cracks. Yeah, they generally don't go the other yeah. way, right? These payroll errors. So we're, we're working a couple of things that are that are going on outside of the organization, right? That are making this even uh, even more of a concern, right? One is just the financial circumstances that are happening, both at a macro level, with fifty, say, call it fifty percent of employees living paycheck to paycheck, persistently high inflation, certainly here in the U.S., which has come down a tick or two here or there, depending on on who you listen to. 
uh, but other rates going up, mortgage rates, car loan rates, credit card loan rates, et cetera. Even the most uh, uh, progressive and successful organizations, right, in the last few years, very, very few have been able to continue to raise wages to keep up with inflation. They just haven't. Inflation's been yeah. seven, eight percent for a couple of years now, right? Most organizations, at best, even in really, really good times, are probably only coming in at five, maybe six percent. And those are really well-run, successful organizations that can afford to kind of raise wages that much. So employees' wages are not keeping up with inflation, generally speaking, to begin with, right? And the second thing in 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 that's happening at the same time is organizations are still, unless look, put putting aside the widely reported, very, very headline-driven things we've read from companies like Google or Amazon or uh, Meta or, you know, pick your tech company of the week, Wayfair was in the news, right? That are, have been undergoing some downsizing and undergoing some layoffs. Those represent a very, very tiny portion of the U.S. labor market and the U.S. labor force, which is over 150 million people. Most organizations in the real world are still week to week, month to month, struggling to keep to find and to retain workers. They just are, whether it's truck drivers or retail store workers or folks who work in restaurants or folks who work in manufacturing facilities, you name it, on and on and on. There's still very, very low unemployment in the United States. It's about, the last report was 3.5%. That's a 50-year low, right? Uh, you have to go back to 1965 for it to be any lower. So unemployment's really, really low. There's still over 4 million U.S. workers voluntarily quitting their job every single month, and it has been that for over 18 months now. And people, again, other than some of these high-flying high, high flying tech companies, which, not for nothing, had hired incredibly large numbers of people over the last two years, and so they are cutting back, but they're cutting back off of – Amazon, I think, hired 100,000 people in the last couple of years, and they've paired back maybe 10 or 12,000, right? So – Let's keep that in, in some perspective. But organizations are in that mode where if if I'm a, a, just a normal employee in a normal organization and I'm not being paid correctly or I'm not being paid on time, I don't know how much of that I'm going to be willing to stand for in a yeah. very, very tight labor market where I can go take my skills somewhere else, right, to someone who is going to essentially manage to to, to treat me a little bit better and pay me correctly and on time. It's just the truth. Yeah, that kind of goes from the the hard impacts, you know, when, when um, employees are missing uh, money or, or a delayed check. Obviously, it has real hard, real life effects. But right there, it kind of seems like we could talk about the, the soft impacts, you know, kind of employee engagement, you know, whether it is affecting their bottom line or not, or their check to check or, or, or however their living situation is. I mean, at the very least, it impacts things like employee engagement and maybe get the, the wheel spinning like maybe I should look for another job. And it kind of all comes full circle, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. I mean, the, here's the funny thing. Despite lots and lots of uh, years of effort and, and well-being and well-intentioned uh, programs, uh, say for development or learning or career planning or even things in the kind of sustainability or the ESG space, Lots of people don't have a ton of interaction with HR and payroll, right? Yeah. People who work throughout the organization just tend not to, right? You have limited interactions with the HR and payroll organization throughout your career cycle, right? Some organizations more than others, but some have very, very few, right? But 
when your interactions with HR and payroll are consistently negative ones, like they would be here in the case of a payroll error, then that's going to cloud your perception of just every interaction you you could potentially ever have with them in the future. And it would actually detract your willingness to even interact with them at all uh, if you don't need to, right? So why would you, right? Because yeah. you've had a really, really negative experience, whether sometimes those experiences you know, are not the fault of HR and payroll. They may be legitimate kind of employee relations kinds of issues and things like that. But otherwise, like it doesn't really even matter, right? If the employee has a negative perception of the HR and payroll organization as a result of payroll errors, then it's almost an irreparable kind of relationship. Answering the question a little bit more directly, Morgan, if the HR organization is kind of that entrusted with kind of the fostering and the development and the propagation of things like culture and things like engagement and things like uh, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, I throw that in there, sustainability, right? That often falls into the very large scope or remit of HR and payroll departments. Having credibility in those areas is going to be critical to keep employees engaged both with those specific activities, but engaged overall with the organization, right? As how hey, I believe this is a great place for me to work for lots of reasons. If my pay is incorrect or my the, I hear about people talking about incorrect pay on a fairly regular basis, I just have to think, what kind of an organization is this? I don't care what they say about diversity. I don't care what they say about the environment. I don't care what they say about the commitment to my my learning and development or my career development. They can't. We're not. They can't pay us correctly. I, I just don't think you can get past th that issue very easily and onto those higher value add issues. I, it's hard anyway. And on the flip side, too, to me, it immediately pops up in my mind that, you know, while they're a company wants to maybe focus on DEI efforts and employee engagement, employee wellness. If they're spending all their time fixing these payroll errors, it kind of takes away the time yeah. from those programs, right? I mean, it, am I wrong on this one here, Steve? I mean, if they're spending time here in this one fixing errors, they can't really dedicate the resources to, I guess, bettering the workplace. Would you agree with that? I'd agree with it completely because one, you've got the very hard costs that we talked about at the top of the show, right? That E and Y found about fixing these errors in the first place. So, you know, anywhere from five thousand dollars a payroll run uh, annualized basis could be half a million dollars, right? So, you've got the hard costs that are going to take away resources, right, from other programs. You're going to that reputational damage, which is going to impact your credibility, which is going to impact things like adoption and participation rate. Just think about this. Like if you've had a series of really bad payrolls, right, where lots of errors had happened and lots of people have been impacted and lots of folks have talked about that in the organization, say, let's say that coincides with the semi-annual employee engagement survey that went out. Not mm -hmm. only are you going to get dinged on your employee engagement scores naturally, and you probably should, you're also going to have a hard time even engendering participation, right? People are going to see that, oh, here's an email from HR, you know, I don't care about that, right? Get my payroll right, get my benefits right, get my time, get my PTO right, right? Get my, get those things right and I'll worry about, you know, engaging with you at a higher value added level. So, and then finally executive support, right? Mm -hmm. Which one of the things, you, anything, any HR or payroll initiative that we've ever read about, we've ever discussed, any context around that, one of the fundamental requirements for success on any of these kinds of initiatives is, almost always executive support, executive buy-in, leadership support, whatever the term you'd like to use. When leadership, especially the CFO, the CEO, has this idea in their head that HR and payroll is struggling with the basics of the function, right? Payroll, benefits, 
throw compliance into their required reporting, all these things, right? They're all related. If, if leadership sees that the organization is struggling to meet those objectives, those basics, those fundamentals, they're certainly not going to generally be willing to fund or support both informally or explicitly in the with budget other programs like for engagement, for leadership, for DEI, or you name it. They just won't. They'll say, yeah. get payroll right first, and then we'll talk about what's next. How can HR, or I guess practitioners or the managers at whatever company we're talking about here, how can they get, I guess, executives to see that one, they are having these unnecessary errors, and two, that they're spending so much time on these unnecessary errors as well. Basically, how can HR bring in, I guess, the C-suite level to kind of help out or at least just know that there are problems here and fixable problems at that? Yeah, so I think one of the things um, is to talk about it a little bit more openly. I was surprised, I must admit to you, Morgan, I was a little surprised when I first read the EY study at the significance of these challenges. Yeah. I didn't realize they were so many. I didn't realize they were so costly. I really didn't. I, I've been around a lot of payroll organizations in my life, running different types of systems, all of them, right? And sure, there were always errors, yeah. right? Every payroll run, there was a missing punch here, or someone someone didn't get a time card submitted at all, things like that. It happens, right? That's life. It's, things are not perfect, right? I did not realize the enormity or the scope of the challenge. And I would suspect, I don't know this, this is just me, my, this is Steve's feeling here. I would suspect in many organizations, though, leadership isn't aware either, right? Because particularly in, say, a thousand person organization or a couple thousand person organization, these things may still be a little under the radar, right? They may not be as, they may not bubble up to the attention of, of C level leaders or the CEO or the owner of the business. So, one thing I might consider doing, and, and, and again, with the thesis of the vast majority of these errors could be addressed by, by, uh, the application of of modern tools, quite frankly, to to help uh, for H for things like time and attendance and for uh, 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 payroll calculation and payroll execution, uh, is just say, okay, uh, Mr. Miss CEO, here's here's our results from our last payroll cycle. We paid 472 employees. This is how much we dispersed. This is you know how much we paid in overtime, whatever the breakdowns are. Put in those reports that you're probably running on a, on a, on a biweekly basis or a monthly basis. Include things like, these are how many employees errored. This is how much time we spent to fix them. This is what our estimate of what the internal cost was to fix them. Here are the people who were impacted. And here's the organizations that they were in. Include that in your monthly or your biweekly summary of payroll that's probably given to the C-suite executives so that they know this. Because I'm guessing that they probably don't know. And when they see that there are these issues, and it, it, it's counterintuitive. Like I, I bet a lot of payroll departments don't want to broadcast to the leadership that, hey, we had a whole bunch of payroll errors on the last payroll but they might want to do that if the if to get support for the remedies that 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 are available to them investment in new technology or upgrading of existing technology more time spent training uh, in employees and managers a system that's got, I'm holding up my phone, system that's got better tools uh, on the mobile devices so that employees can access their own information in real time and, and make corrections to data or information, either their personal profile information or their payroll information in real time or even before the payroll is executed, right? Uh, so you may need to sort of say to, to educate your leadership on the scope of the problem in your own organization in order to get them their buy-in on their support. And I think some of the other things we talked about, the reputation 
reputational damage, the employee relations damage, the employee engagement hits. I think you can have those conversations with leaders as well. And I think they'll understand them. But I think the first thing you need to do is make sure they understand the actual, uh, the, the, the specifics around the problem. I think that's important first step. Hey, I'm no stranger to a shameless plug. So when we talk about education, I mean, it's podcasts like HR Break Room. It's podcasts like uh, yours, HR Happy Hour. It's uh, Paycom webinars, white papers that show people yeah. the numbers behind, I guess, these problems we've been talking about. And, and Steve, we're talking there about getting the attention of, you know, Mr. or Miss CEO and talking about these problems. One thing that will get a CEO's attention is compliance, regulatory issues, legal issues. Let's dig into that just a little bit as we kind of wind down here. What kind of compliance, regulatory, or even legal issues can pop up as a result of, of, of missed or, I guess, payroll errors as a whole? Because it can kind of add up when we're starting to deal with other businesses, companies, you know, due dates, and yada, 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 yada. So how can this kind of catch up in the, in the, the real-world issues, I guess, when it comes to compliance and, and legal yeah. issues? You sure can. At the extreme end, you can you can definitely end up in court, right? If yeah. if we're if we're having the kinds of payroll errors that involve like uh, uh, incorrect pay calculations, or um, if we're 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 not paying people on time at, at the correct amounts, every state is a little bit different. Some states are worse than others, right? If if it's, it's easy to end up in court to be sued by an employee or by a class of employees over 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 incorrect pay, right? And so that's probably the most extreme place you could be, right? We're we're in court and we're in litigation and we have to make a settlement with a class of employees around uh, short pay or pay that's been withheld or pay that's been improperly calculated. So that's probably the worst end. But then like the when payroll's incorrect, right? All the the uh, the vast. Uh, majority of the statutory and legal reports are going to be filed with the jurisdictions, right? Both the federal jurisdiction and the state and local jurisdictions that the employers in are either going to be delayed or they're going to be incorrect and need to be refiled. Those refilings often come with penalties, right? Because they've been either incorrectly filed or they're filed too late. And so you can factor that in as well. You're probably now engaging your third, often third party legal counsel, right, to help you navigate through these issues, either legal counsel or external kind of auditors, right, that you have to pay uh, even more, right, to come in and help you clean up the mess that you've made, right, with due to, due to incorrect payrolls being submitted. So it, it's 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 a it's a mess that most organizations don't want to have to deal with, and it's one that largely can be if not completely avoided, can be certainly mitigated and reduced and certainly over time with the application of the right processes, the right amount of education, and most importantly here, because we're talking about payroll, the right technology, you can drive these down to a point where they're they're really a non-issue on, on, on a bi-weekly or month-to-month basis. And it's it's making it only the very rare exception, the very rare case that comes up that needs to be corrected after the fact. And that's okay. That happens, right? I'm not ever here to say like a 5,000 employee company should never have a payroll error. That's unrealistic, right? It's going to happen. But you shouldn't have 15, you shouldn't have 20, you shouldn't have 30 every time you run payroll. You just shouldn't. Well, yeah, it's 2023. Uh, you said it. it doesn't have to be this way. And we've, we're talking about technology right now. It's here. We have it. Uh, what does the right technology uh, need to do to avoid these errors outlined in the study, Steve? I know everything can't be perfect, but the right technology, as I said, is here. Uh, what does it need to do to avoid errors such as the UI study has outlined for us? Yeah, so I think one of the things is integration is very, very important, right? So it, it's 
the the modern approach to kind of handling these errors is integrating on one platform all the feed or all the data and all the feeder systems that payroll it needs right to execute correctly so your the employee profile the employee tax information right all the withholdings that they they have right their dependents uh their time time and attendance, right? We forget often, right, when we talk about these kinds of technologies that any probably around 60% of the U.S. workforce is paid on an hourly basis, right? And therefore, almost all of those people are reporting time every pay period, every week or every biweekly uh, pay period. So uh, having that time tracking, the, the, those clocks the, the, and all the rules around time tracking and all the, the labor calculation rules for their time all in one platform as well, having all those inputs together on one platform that feed into the payroll system as well as on the deduction side, right? So your benefits deductions, obviously your tax calculation and those deductions, any other deductions, voluntary deductions that the employee might make, having that all integrated in the same platform as well. And then finally, uh, having all of that on one modern platform that's delivered in the cloud, right, and that is kept up to date and compliant with all those changes we alluded to earlier. I think I read at the beginning of the year there was something like 22 states that changed minimum wage laws at the beginning of 2023, and something like 46 individual jurisdictions changed their laws, right? And that's just this year. So if you think about all those changes that have to be made uh, to keep a payroll system, a payroll calculation engine up to date, you need a trusted partner to do all that. So you, you're this platform that you're using to collect all your data, all your inputs, right? Everything that feeds into the payroll calculation, uh, you know, with a trusted partner that keeps it all up to date, keeps the keeps the calculations compliant, accurate, helps you do all the filing that you need to do for federal, state, local filing, right? Does that all for you. And finally, the last thing, I'll wave my phone one more time. Providing access to information to every individual employee on their phone, if they if they choose to access it, which most do, uh, so that they can keep their data updated, they can have visibility into their time, their their uh, their hours, their punches, their benefits, their tax information, and their actual payroll. Right. I know we've talked about Betty a couple of times on this podcast, but having visibility to their actual payroll and what that net pay number is going to be before it's completed and before it's committed so that they can step in and alert the, the appropriate team member if they believe that there's an error. Right. Huge, huge factor in driving these errors down by correcting them before they even happen, if that makes sense. So uh, I think. But it's available, right? These yeah. technologies are are available. They're available to any size organization, from the smallest up to the the, the biggest, right? So, to me, uh, having it all integrated on one platform, accessible via mobile, easily understood, and, and kept up to date by a trusted partner—that's the solution to driving these errors down as close to zero as we can get them. Yeah, and for everything you mentioned there, I mean, Paycom can be that solution. And of course, we're throwing out a bunch of numbers. We're talking about these studies. Mm -hmm. So if anyone yeah. out there wants to dig even deeper, of course, head to paycom.com. We have a bunch of resources, including a white paper, blogs, webinars, everything right here on this very EY study we've been talking about. Steve, I know you're on vacation out there. Uh, enough about what we can provide. Workation. Uh, it's a workation. workation. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Workation. How dare I? Uh, what are you working on? How can people find you in case this is their first exposure to the 
the Steve Bose. Where can people find you? What are you working on? Yeah, well, super. Thanks again for having me, Morgan. I love being on the break room. And uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about what we're up to, you can go to our website. It's h3hr.com. Our family of podcasts that we do is called the HR Happy Hour Network. You can just uh, search HR Happy Hour wherever you get your podcasts. We'd be honored if you check out uh, anything we're doing over at H3HR. Hey, listen to the man. Check him out. Always at work, even on vacation. Steve, we really do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks so much, Morgan. Okay, we hope you enjoyed today's HR Work Showcase, and thanks again to our partners at Paycom for sharing a special episode of HR Breakroom. If you've enjoyed this latest episode and want to hear more from your peers of the HR community, be sure to check out our past episodes of the HR Work Showcase on hrdailyadvisor.com. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the HR Works Podcast channel for all your HR podcast needs and to keep up to date with all the latest shows from the HR Works Podcast family.